Hello, you're listening to On Resistance Radio. My name is Jay. We are a horizontal media collective um, airing on KPFK 90.7 FM. And also you can find our past shows on soundcloud.com slash on dash resistance. Today we are going to be talking about food. To get started, I don't know if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, this is your boy Marcus Y. And yeah, thank you, Jay, for having me in on the On Resistance studio and here to talk about food. Food is something very dear to me, and I've been changing my relationship with food slowly over the past few years. And yeah, I appreciate having this conversation. So we talked about starting from the beginning, pretty much. How do we feel about food? What does food mean to us? How did yeah. we learn our yeah. relationship with food? Yes, yes. What is food really... Is it something that we can eat? Is it something that's nutritious? Meaning, is it just only something that's edible? Are we saying things are food or things that are tasty versus, I mean, tasty in a sense of either sugary or salty or savory? And where does it stop to be tasty and maybe not constructive, maybe? I don't know. Or the correct nutrition for the body? And really just, yeah, what is what is food? Like, what were we eating before colonization, what were we really prone to having as a healthy diet versus today where, you know, you have like 50% of people dying of heart heart disease or heart-related attacks. You have 54% of, or I think it's 54% women supposedly and like 50% of men, or maybe it's the other way around, but heart-related issues, and those are associated with food, definitely. And all types of issues, especially in the black communities, there's all types of diabetes and hypertension and new types of dis-ease hitting the body in, in all different forms. And I'm a believer that it definitely comes from how we participate in what we put into the body, i.e. Our, our food and our fuel. Just where do we get the habit of eating or where do we get the habit of cooking or what type of food do we consider food and where did our relationship come from? I believe that our relationship to food or with food came from our oppressors and we eat like our oppressors and my job is decolonizing how I feel about food and decolonizing my body decolonizing the food that I put into the body and avoiding eating like my oppressors I don't want to eat like cops eat like I don't want to sit at the table that they sit at I don't want to have that relationship with food how they have their relationship with food yeah that's, that's kind of like the, the train of thought that I'm thinking about what is what are some of the thoughts that you have or what do you think it reminds me of first an energy source, but that I think, you know, it's something that I put in my body. To what degree is their choice, basically? So there's food access, or maybe not. It's also like, how do we define food? Are we defining it as something nutritious, or are we defining it as something with calories mm-hmm. that we ingest? Because mm-hmm. it can be what I've come to realize is if you go to the grocery store, most of the stuff in the grocery store is not food. If you go to the veggie aisle, maybe half of that is food because we live in an era that of science, of the reign of human supremacy and science and white supremacist science. So we have GMOs, genetically modified foods, fertilizers, pesticides. It's not just genetically modifying the actual food. It's what is used, what's the growing process, what's the production process. And then also where does the food come from? So the part, the portion that is actually nutritious, 
a lot of people don't have access to actually nutritious food. I don't always have access to actually nutritious food. Sometimes I can't afford nutritious food and I have to go with the filler. You know, just any meal that I can get at any time to give me some sort of energy to get through the day. Um, and then also, how do we reconnect with our food sources? How do we redefine what we eat, but also in a way that is energizing and fun and not not replicating harmful American diet culture <laughs> where you're like feeling, you know, guilty about for me, like not being able to afford to eat healthy for that meal. What does it mean to eat healthy? I think it's also about finding out where our food comes from and what the actual process is that goes into our food. Mm-hmm. Because that these grocery stores, they're like deep like like food depots, but also food deserts mm-hmm. at the same time. At the same time. And it erases what comes before that process. Everything kind of set all the food or the resources, quote unquote, centralized in that one space. And I don't really see or I'm disconnected from what happens before these resources reach that space. Being in the war under white supremacy, I just feel like there wouldn't be proper nutrition. If we're at war, there can't be proper nutrition. You can't focus all your energy on killing people and focus on providing great food it doesn't work either you're providing great food for people or you're putting all your focus on killing people and i feel like the grocery stores are just established as tangible mirage it's like being in a desert and you know you're in a war and in there they supply like you said all the fillers and it's a mirage it's an mre which is like a medical response eating or like a meal it's like an army term what people eat when they're like stuck and stranded in the desert or whatever it's just a packaged meal and i feel the same way about anything anything wrapped in plastic at the store is no difference from being in a famine being like at war and eating what you have on you and yeah like just said or like jay said you go into the store you don't even know if, if things are in the vegetable and the fruit aisle is an actual vegetable or a fruit they found out ways and there's ways to look this up research there's nothing but a google but they found out ways to splice tomatoes with all types of animals all types of insects when it comes to pesticides and fertilizers i've heard the comment the other day is that they're even finding human being used as compost they're finding humans bones and stuff like that being used as organic a lot of companies are given organic compost because it's a human it's it's bones it's ashes of a human so this is stuff that's being grown in your in your food like they're growing it with it's like yeah you don't see many graves being made there's not a lot of graveyards being made but people are still dying and where are they going you know what is happening to these bodies it's just really like an all-around questioning the food really it gets down to getting to a position mentally and if in physically whether you're in a small space or you have a large space of trying to grow your own food or figuring out ways to even do the littlest uh, amount to when it does when that changes your relationship to food whether it's just growing one lettuce or whether it's just having like one tomato plant anything that's going to change your relationship to food to start seeing and perceiving it differently and i actually feel like that is what is going to have this change of of overturning white supremacy is changing our relationship to things changing our relationship like being more harmony like being in more harmony with the things in the world around us is 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 part of the change as well and i think that for people with access to power this just means listening to conversations like this is just like I can buy better or I can do better or I can find better and so I think that the food conversation right now the dominant food conversation is all based on advertising 
it's all based on like federal programs telling you how much you know um, bread or meat you should eat or you shouldn't eat meanwhile if you're driving up the five you can actually see because this is how disconnected we are but it's also like if you just drive up the five you can actually see some of the conditions not all the conditions because obviously through nafta and through trade agreements the united states has government and clinton specifically has really controlled the food quality and flooded the market with cheap grains and cheap corn, which affected other economies like the economy in occupied Mexico, which displaced so many workers. So I think there's this separation that's happening between the grocery stores and people thinking they can just buy better without looking at the structural, quote unquote, integrity or like the structural violence of our food system that exists. Uh, if you drive up the five, you see a billboard that says genetically modified cows and drove by too fast to take a picture. But it's just kind of like this group erasure of racism and capitalism and how we get our food and who does the labor for our food and then who profits off of that and who controls that labor and therefore controls food resources. And not just that, but corporations, you know, are like an outflow of capitalism. And so we have... So we've normalized and have so much trust for these corporations and for capitalism that they control our grocery stores, they control how food is transported, they control how labor is managed. So it really takes kind of, you know, they control cement on the ground everywhere. So even if people and people do want to reconnect with their with their food source, with the grounds, with cooperative energy, growing light, you know, just just energy and the ground and our environment and kind of reconnecting with our environment. There's hardly any places to grow in a place like Los Angeles, in a place that has a drought. So we're at a place now where we can't even easily access or undo or acquire our food otherwise because of the way colonization has happened here and mm-hmm. the way that everything's being managed and the way the water has been managed, the way the ground has literally been managed and built up with concrete and how housing structures have been made in a terribly inequitable way where there's mass houselessness, but also there's no dirt. There's hardly any dirt and the dirt is also poisoned because of the industrial capitalism that happened, maybe less so now, but we're still feeling the effects of that. Definitely. So it's just hard when... We talk about food access because people need to eat whatever the filler is to survive. But the quality of food is a completely different conversation. But it's really not as simple as like bringing a better corporation to your area or buying better. Like that would meet immediate needs. But we also have to think about what is going into the body and who's making it and how those corners are cut and how we're probably being poisoned all the time. And especially with like something from deodorant to what you're eating in your mouth so it's Definitely. once you understand the agenda of of us being exploited and oppressed by the government and the state and interpersonal social dynamics that keep us from addressing these things then it's really about a structural shift and how do we support each other so that we can eat if we're not relying on these corporations well two things come to mind i've believed that jay said this quote or some, maybe someone else is that you can't shop your way to food justice and our uh, comrade Bobby and it's so true it is so true and even when you break that sentence down like the you can't shop your way to food justice in the sense of one it incorporates like having money and people feeling like 
just because they have the money to actually go buy and continue to buy. It's like, for one, how long would that last, you know, from when if, if money even is even real and, and until you get fired or whatever the case may be because you don't have any true control? And is the food justice? Is the food supporting justice? Is the food nutritious you know is it are you really buying something that's going to benefit you that's constructive to your body and so with that being said you can't shop your way to food justice and i don't believe people should pay for food i believe they're really like if there is no way for you to grow food i believe there has to be a mental shift for you to come into taking food or figuring out a way to collectivize food where it can happen for you on a, in a better scale or finding people or organizations who are already collecting food and distributing food. Because other than that, you have to take it. Like I practice savagery, savage life, and I promote people going into grocery stores and taking the food. It's nothing but a tree. If you want to look at the grocery store as a, a as a tree with fruit on it, do it because that is yours. The the space that that grocery store is in is a, <laughs> it shouldn't be there. They're taking over the earth. They're taking over the land. So just look at it as a tree with food inside and take it and walk out. And if there's there's different ways of doing that, if you want to contact me, you can. Really, it's just it's real mental and just realizing that even the store in itself is theft and is representing abuse and everything in there is representing abuse, whether it's to you or the people who have to make it. So you really have to be conscious on how you want to go about participating in food really because it is important and i feel like it is a one of the main instruments of the war and it gets us in this place that we're in because if we're individually in such a pain or depressed or anxious or physically just unfit and feeling you know all out of our body it's going to be so hard to participate constructively and, and really get on the counter war aspect of fighting white supremacy and racism because we're going to be hurt we're going to be tired we're going to be our spirit would be there but we're going to be physically down I, I think people really relate to that like feeling kind of ill like body ill very often very consistently having some type of issues and i feel like it's definitely part of the war it's like the white supremacists are like yep you can have this medicine, you can do this surgery, you can, you know, subscribe to some other, you know, whatever, but we're going to control it. And if, if you continue to feed into like their plan of poison, it really sucks because we really have to. Yeah, it, it sucks that there isn't any land and they're doing that purposely. I, I remember coming across some writings that saying like more than I want to say more than 50 percent of L.A. is just covered in parking lots alone, just covered in concrete, covered in spots for people to park their cars. You know, it's not really agriculture. It's not land. It's not anything for people to go to and benefit from. Most of the space here is just for cars. It, it's really, yeah, it's really crazy. I'm, there was this book that I came across. The Fifth Sacred Thing is really good, dystopic. In the beginning of the book, it just opens up with this woman, like, breaking the concrete with a pitchfork. That was started the war. Like, she just went down the middle of the street, and she just started hitting the concrete, hitting the street with a, uh, a pickaxe and started breaking up the concrete and where you could see the dirt and started planning. And actions like this, really, is how, how frustrated are you going to get with the food system until you take a form of an action? And that's changing, trying to change what you put into your body is one action. It doesn't have to be a violent action, but that is counter to white supremacy. That is counter to what they want you to eat. That is counter to what they are publicizing and advertising. So if you're doing counter to what... Is highly publicized. You're on the you're on the right path. You're on the right road, and it is finding ways to be more sustainable and more abundant in your food process. It does remind me of events or actions that we've done on public sidewalks where we'll feed people and then we'll be harassed by police. And how there was 
what was named the food ban last year that was put forward by a Democrat, capital D Democrat council person. And they were trying to put a ban on non-commercialized food. So specifically food that was being given away for free, specifically banning, not selling food, not vending, which they are working on. They actively have already changed the laws by this year, which they were, that was their part of the city attorney, Mike Fuhrer's goal last year when they were fighting the gang injunction a couple years ago, when they were around the food ban, you know, them legislating the poor. That's what the city council is good at facilitating capitalism um, and racism. So the ban is about stopping non-commercial distribution of food. So they're specifically targeting making food accessible for people and not profiting off of it. So I'm just thinking about how if we do create these infrastructures, which we will, which we have to, to make food more accessible, it is a threat to the state. And that is why they regulate any type of exchange that is non-capitalistic with their police forces in public. Maybe if you have access and privilege to have private spaces or an organization or you're an incorporated nonprofit, they might not harass you so much for giving away food at your events. But if you don't have that status or credibility, they can control the food, um, then you will be harassed. And also other forms of visible, accessible food like community gardens and how the community garden model, when it first, I haven't participated in one when they first started. I've been around some. They were way more, you know, there weren't a lot of fences originally. That wasn't part of the plan of the community garden. It was like an empty lot and you start participating in it and then the community comes together. Um, whereas now they're highly legislated. And by legislated, I don't mean there's actual laws, but I just mean they're controlled by city processes. They have a garden council. They help each community garden in an area solidify their control over a certain piece of land. They might subsidize water to some degree. I'm not sure on the specifics. But now you can see that all the community gardens have gates and have locks. And most of the most of the program is that people pay monthly to get a plot. So... We, there's just no, little to no space that is public that people can share over. There's always like an attempt to control, solidify for the city how any alternatives to foods and how even if there are alternatives to the dominant food structure, how those are co-opted and how they're controlled and how if you try to go outside of those community organizations or community gardens, you might be harassed by the police for giving out food. And so it really has to be part of an all-around strategy of like defending, how do we defend ourselves? And part of defense is feeding ourselves. Yeah, definitely true. We, yeah, it's, you can't even have a quote-unquote movement without the people being fed in some form or fashion yeah and just to touch back on the grocery store even the model of a grocery store and then the way that they're built it's maybe like 10 percent of fresh food or quote-unquote what i would consider fresh maybe is like things off of trees and out of the ground but the word fresh is used a lot in food <laughs> see fresh on like things that are not fresh so it's just uh, the wording in the advertisement of food and how they place certain things at like children's eye level so you get really indoctrinated on eating certain types of eating certain types of food or you have a relationship with certain types of sweets or candies because they've already like manipulated your palate and your taste buds and as a kid I was way more prone to eating like dum-dums and six licks six licks little chocolate candies and you know everything that was opposite of what the body maybe was actually needing just to touch what you just said jay it's really yeah as far as the state and legislating 
on alternative food sources, whether that's like community gardens acting like bureaucracy and legis- they shouldn't even be called community gardens. That's another that's another thing about like words that we really have to define. Like it's not a community garden then, you know, it's like a members only garden or something like that. It's like if you can pay and afford it or you first come you know, for a serve and there's no more spots left, you know, whatever the case may be. And I don't really feel like it's a community garden if people in the community are not benefiting from the garden. Even if I don't have a plot, I should still be able to benefit from the garden. Yeah, what would be some alternatives to the concrete jungle that we live in to grow food? What are the alternatives? Or would, would there be any alternatives? Are, are there alternatives outside of the community gardens that are highly selective on who are if you didn't get there on you know if you didn't get there on time you're not going to get a spot whether you have to pay for it or not is is there a way outside of community gardens to build an alternative structure for food i only i could only think of one collective effort that makes food accessible for free that doesn't operate on a charity model but i think that a lot of the alternatives do operate either under a strict control structure like the community garden or under like a maybe more still a hierarchical structure but a less formal like charity type mentality it can't be maybe relied upon frequently and then there are actually the corporate charities that do feed people but you know you might have to sit through some sort of program to get access to that food but in terms of like revolutionary alternatives so that we can re-autonomize our food choices so that we're more empowered to continue this fight and and possibly you know strategize offensively rather than continuously defensively. I think it's about finding spaces, really. But how that space is found and who initiates, you know, how that space is organized. Is it going to be accessible? Is it still going to be a top-down structure? Food shares, I think, have some potential in a mutual aid type structure on a larger level, which I think can happen, but then you run into other challenges like uh, transportation. Still, a lot of these things require resources. And so how do we self-organize to sustainably, and by that I mean, so it's not reliant on only a few people. So Mm -hmm. resource economically sustainable as an alternative, but also socially sustainable that the space is energized by different people, that it isn't the same people Mm -hmm. doing that labor every time because that can be exhausting. And then, yeah, mutual aid between spaces, learning different types of gardening, trying to make gardening less intimidating, more accessible for people to do on a micro level. You don't have to have a yard. Just talking to people and organizing and maybe first outlining what are the challenges and then step-by-step going through and trying to brainstorm around the challenges. Definitely. That would definitely work, getting some people together and talking about what are their challenges about food or associated with food and what would, you know, what would they actually like to have as a result of food or procuring food. I, man, it, yeah, it just really depends on where people are and how far they really want to go because anything that you do that's constructive or counter to racism and white supremacy, you're going to have people looking at you or people after you and... However you can procure space, whether you take it or you're able to form relationships with other people who have space. If, you know, it's, it, please do all the work that you can in, in helping starting a food share and a seat share and doing these things. But just know that there could be, there still is a process of decolonizing even outside of food, just the world that we live in and just be okay that you, you might have some people looking at you or you might have people after you if you're 
feeding people and if you're feeding yourself successfully it's just something to i i, I really do want to point out that it's just part of the war so even though we're talking about food there are other there are other aspects that you have to watch are still be in consideration of that ex- that is part of our reality and that we still face because yeah food people are trying to poison you like people are constantly trying to poison you why are they trying to poison you because white supremacy exists it, it's a global annihilation on people of color and you're going to get caught up in the war you go to the store and it doesn't matter like just because you know it doesn't matter what color you are the store is a place for white supremacy to supply poison to people so if you go in there and eat that's just what you have to expect and hopefully we can extract poison really well i kind of wanted to talk about just the meat industry too and how that is affecting agriculture and like supposed climate change and all these different economics and as far as like how that dictates what we eat and it's just such a push for the meat industry like i don't know if there's ever been such a commercialized aspect of meat i was coming across some stuff that it was really um rare or it was only certain times in various cultures and religions or whatever you want to call it where a group of people were gathered in space where people felt that they needed to eat meat and it was like in cases of famine or extreme measures where people were like all right we're going to take a life because we didn't get our crop this year or we didn't get this you know this this agriculture plan didn't work out or some things got frozen over or whatever the case and it was like such a last resort to eat meat to eat body parts and now we're just like it's such for july is about to come up and it's such a big push on eating body parts and there's this thing going on in china now about the yulin dog festival which is like a dog meat eating competition or like celebration or whatever and the issue around that a lot of people here are getting upset like oh it's so sad that they're eating dogs and part of it is because they're kidnapping actual people's pets but we don't have the same type of outrage for the factory farms here and like how they're treating pigs and what they're doing to chickens and stuff like that and there's this almost like this animal kingdom or the speciation of what animals are more important are seemed as like not on the table like they don't, certain animals are not seen to be on the table and certain ones are cool to have as pets and certain ones are cool to abuse and these animals are getting treated really illy getting kicked being impregnated taking having their calves like stolen away from them and the list just goes on and on like having their beaks taken like jay just said they're now genetically modifying full cows and this is pretty wild to know that people are going to be ingesting cow meat like that's been made in the tube or genetically modified really sucks like what went into that process and what's going to happen what's going to be the result of that what's going to be the result 10 years five years 20 years however what is going to be the health issues for the cows that's going through this this issue and the people who are consuming this meat is really horrifying really and even how the meat industry contributes to the drought and how much water is being used to feed and like support these animals that we butcher it's pretty wild how how that can be not completely in the forefront of the drought conversation but is a is a reason why there is a supposed drought yeah if you look at basically industrial meat farming the wine industry and those are like two out of like how many markets that capitalism creates out of controlling resources and making products and advertising products to us but they use so much water and it's not water to make something grow or just to like give 
drink to other species or animals, but it's water to clean, to clean their premises so that they can continue slaughtering, so that they can say that it's clean, that they're not tampering with the meat. And what if, if genetically modifying something isn't tampering, then I just don't understand how these words are used to excuse entire processes uh, that are just legitimized as okay. So yeah, the water industry, the drought, a large responsibility of that goes towards large corporations and industrial meat farming. But that responsibility is being displaced on everyday people and then more specifically people in low-income areas. So it kind of raises a question for me as how can it be structured differently? And honestly, because we're talking about we don't have land and we're on occupied land, we're on stolen land, it's going to take tearing some things down. If Los Angeles remains habitable after an earthquake or an uprising, you know, a violent uprising where people... Hopefully the uprising comes before the earthquake. (laughs) Where people take power in defense of their lives and create alternative structures and, and... I'm going to say anti-economies, there might be a need to grow food and, you know, a couple parking lots might have to be gone. Some banks might not need to be around if people need to eat food. It's really a question of localizing. It's kind of like maybe it's a cliche to say out of sight, out of mind, but if we actually had to relate with the energetic vibration of these other beings and see how our, our, our food is grown and how animals are corralled and tortured in those conditions before they're slaughtered, they're not just slaughtered, they're tortured before that happens, then I think we would have a completely different idea. We would have completely different consumption habits. Definitely. And we can't say that we wouldn't have different would. consumption ha- habits. We definitely would. Uh, and there's this this insistence that the structure has to stay how it is. So you have like certain areas that are all factory farms and all meat industrial farms. And... It just, like Marcus said, it concentrates power in a way where abuse happens there and it's very far removed from that grocery store that is within distance for you to make dinner. I really do support relocalizing our resources because I don't think there's like too many people and not enough resources. I feel like that's a lie made by white supremacy and how it manages and controls and makes people subjects. So... It's really just about how is this structured, how is this organized, and how can we change that, and what do we have to destroy to do that? Because we can make alternatives, but if we don't actually have the space and resources to do that, how are we going to get those resources? So it's kind of a catch-all. Like, how could you make the alternative when the power still structure still exists? Right. And, and then you've got to make the alternative to turn over the power structure that exists. So it's both. Right. And that's what I was saying. I don't know how far you know the individual is willing to go or what what it takes to to get there because we don't own the resources we don't create the resources we don't produce the resources so we have to take the resources we have to take the ones that are there we have to take the ones that are being are not being used and we have to take the ones that are being used illy and take them over and figuring out how we want to do that and repurpose those spaces and that comes with the uprising that comes with the overthrow and in, in producing something other than white supremacy that comes with producing the counter structure to white supremacy and that's why i'm saying this is 
it encompasses so many things other than food because it really is like that action that you put uh, even the action of going to the store is going to dictate like whether your action in in the resistance or dictate how you want to participate in the resistance or what are you willing to do and some people might not be uncomfortable with burning down a factory farm or letting go animals and doing something like that some people might not want and that's fine that same person might want to support the killing or eating some stuff like that so why wouldn't they want to try to change that space too yeah grocery stores are wild though and factory farming is 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 really out of hand i we, we got some mangoes in the studio and i just imagine sometimes like if i were eating meat and if i had to take the skin off of the meat that i was eating like if the skin was still on the meat like i like they are with the mangoes you know and it was just like having that closely that close relationship and being like all right i have to take the skin off of this particular meat that i'm going to eat and then ingest it and i yeah i think my relationship and it has my relationship has changed because i have thought about these things and the relationships do change your eating habits do change when you consider in that perspective in that way of like really like if i was the only person on the planet i don't even know if i would want to use my energy to go hunt down something that was living because there's so many other things that are growing that i wouldn't have to do that and it just i think it sets my relationship to the world around me in such a maybe a negative or counter light because I'm 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 wanting to harm or bring destruction to things to support me which is necessary and it's, it goes back to being like just because certain, certain things can be done doesn't mean it needs to be done or it should be done you can have all these thoughts and doesn't mean all of them need to be acted on and I feel like if you can sustain yourself in other forms definitely do it that are less harmful definitely do it yeah and I just can't help stop thinking about the blueprint of a grocery store and just how there's at least 90% of filler in the grocery store. There's a L-shaped corner in a grocery store that has fruits and vegetables, and that's your only spot to actually get something that may be quote-unquote nutritious, and everything else you can bet your bottom dollar that it's not going to be good for you and it's most likely going to have a non-constructive effect on your body in the long run, in the short run, in various forms. Yeah. I feel like part of the the counter war, what I would like to get going is some form of grocery store, some form of a complete opposite of what the structure is and changing that into a different layout and a whole different type of relationship between the people there in that space and um, a process of cultivating food and giving that food away and, and having people having a, a more healthy relationship with food and just seeing like, yeah, the choice is not really there. The choices are really been like construed or just completely screwed like you, you don't have really cho- you don't have real choices because no one's really been informed <laughs> you don't really even know what the half the things are even on the box or you know what they're trying to give you or even how to eat like my mom didn't really teach me how to eat she just made what her parents made and what their parents made so back to what we were saying in the beginning of the conversation like i learned how to eat from my oppressors white supremacists passed on their menus and what they're eating we were trying to make replicas of or different forms of or they gave us what they didn't want and we we're figuring out ways to do something with it so i'm i feel like really changing that that relationship is important to the body and the mind and the soul and and everything that makes us want to do what we want to do i think it's going to make me better at doing the things that i want to accomplish and and getting those just getting a, a different perspective on how to do things out there if you want to participate in some savagery, I'd advise you to take your own bag to the grocery store and walk around the grocery store or a cart. But you can start off with a bag, baby steps, and uh, begin to put stuff in your bag. Get all the things of your liking 
and find a particular aisle that isn't being manned or doesn't have a cashier there. Look at the, the door for your exit and make sure there's no security guard there and proceed to walk down the empty aisle through the exit. That's just one ways of, of procuring food. There's also a basket technique that you can use that, that is a similar uh, process. But really, if you're not willing to try to s take your own food or, or if you don't have space to grow your own food, it would be really good to try to find out more about food and try to find out what possibly is more nutritious and finding groups or, or communities or different types of outlets that are supplying food to people. I've really been getting into foraging lately. Like, depending on where you live, I'm sure there's different types of food that is growing, different types of trees. But here in L.A., there's just all types of trees growing. And, and if you're around in this area, I would suggest, like, trying to forage and just keep your eyes out on different trees. There's a lot of citrus and figs and persimmons and grapes and mangoes being grown, avocados. So there are ways to cut your 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 cost down if you're you know if you're able to pay for food but forging is a great a great way to kind of offset that as well and yeah appreciate for having me on on resistance thank you thanks for participating i really enjoyed the conversation you've been listening to on resistance radio we are on the air fridays at 7 30 p.m except for the first friday of every month you can find our past shows on soundcloud.com slash on dash resistance you can find us on twitter on resistance la we have a facebook we also have a tumblr on resistance radio.tumblr.com and you can email us at on 